You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome to A Bigger Life. I am Dave Cover. I just want to look at another psalm today of David that's doing a lot of what we've been talking about these last couple episodes, where David is a, a an ancestor of Jesus, a specific, significant ancestor of Jesus in the Bible, even though he lived a thousand years before Jesus. Jesus is referred to as the son of David, and the promises to David that God gave in 2 Samuel chapter 7 were specific promises of the Messiah being his descendant. And so this is one of those Psalms, 24, is what we're going to look at today. But before we look at it, uh, I want to read something that we read in the Gospel of Luke after Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is appearing to some of his disciples. And it says in chapter 24, verse 25, he said to them, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then Luke goes on to write, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, when Luke says all the scriptures, he's talking about what we would call the Old Testament. That's what the scriptures were in the time of Jesus. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. Here is Luke actually writing part of it in in his gospel of Luke. But what Jesus is saying to his disciples is all the scriptures, all the Old Testament— was pointing to Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah. And so he, can you imagine the resurrected Jesus sitting with you and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, in other words, with all the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said concerning himself. That'd be a pretty cool Bible study with Jesus. And then it says in verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you, while I was still with you. In other words, I I had said this before I died and rose from the dead. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. This is what they called what we call the Old Testament. Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, or sometimes just Moses and the prophets, but it, it just meant the Old Testament. Jesus here specifically mentions the Psalms. And that's what we're looking at when we read this Psalm of David, Psalm 24, Again, it, it's probably not going to be one of these psalms that's going to be has a, have a lot of your highlights in it, but it's one of these psalms that if you really understand what you're reading, it is an exciting psalm because it, it's one of these psalms that is a very ancient promise and prophecy of what Jesus, who Jesus, what he's going to do and who he is as the Christ, who he is as the Messiah. And when we understand that, we understand the story that our life is in. And this is one of these psalms that gives us, again, the bigger picture. Well, after even just the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's taking us to the end and it's taking us to the full story. It's one of these psalms that is clearly the bigger story. And the emphasis is ultimately on the earth, on this world. And so verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and those who dwell therein. Now, the very first word in the Hebrew text is Yahweh. The English has to kind of change the order of things to make English sense. 
But the Hebrew this is originally written in, that David wrote it in, the very first word is the I am, the he is, Yahweh, God's name, the I am. The earth is Yahweh's and everything in it, the world and all who dwell in it belong to God. They are Yahweh's already. Now they don't acknowledge it. People don't live as if that's true. We often, perhaps mostly, don't live as if that's true. And yet that is a fact. And here he says in verse two, here's why for he has founded it upon the seas. He established it upon the rivers. This is poetic language going, taking us back to Genesis chapter one. It's saying, here's why everything belongs to God. He made it. He's the one who created everyone and everything. And so everyone and everything belongs to God. This whole earth is God's and it's important to him. He created it for a purpose and he still has a purpose for it, an eternal purpose for it. And this is what brings us into the prophecies of the Messiah. And it starts with what might be uh, something we don't quite catch at first. Verse 3, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, of Yahweh? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Now, this is, of course, a call for us. It's a call for all those who want to dwell with God, who want to dwell where God dwells, to see the need to have clean hands and a pure heart. Like Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is a call for all of those who want to dwell where God dwells, to live with clean hands and a pure heart, and to not lift up our soul to what is false, to not to not worship what is false, to not follow what is false, to not give in to sin, which is always what is false. It's always a false promise. And to not to give in to what is deceitful. So false, deceitful versus clean and pure. And then verse five, verse five, for he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Pure and blessing and salvation and clean versus false and versus deceitful is a it's a call for us to live this way and to see the blessing that will come and the salvation and the righteousness that comes from trying to live this way needing to live this way but we all know there ultimately is only one who truly lives this way who lived this way there's truly only one who can ascend the hill of the lord who can stand in god's holy place and that is jesus he was the one who had pure hands and clean hands and a pure heart and didn't lift up his soul to what is false and didn't follow what is deceitful. And so he is the ultimate receiver of this promise. He's the one who is ultimately the only one who is worthy to dwell where God dwells. But as you know, the rest of the story when he died on the cross, when he ascended the hill, so to speak, and became the sacrifice for our sin and broke through the other side of death and rose from the dead, all of those who are in him receive his righteousness, receive his worthiness. And so as Hebrews says, he's, he, he makes us, he qualifies us to come before his throne, to come before his presence with a clean conscience and a pure heart having been sprinkled clean by his blood. This is what allows us to come and dwell where God dwells. And so this is ultimately the promise we read in Revelation 21 when heaven comes back to earth. 
and the dwelling place of God is now with his people, and he will dwell with us, and we will dwell with him. That's the fulfillment of these verses. Verse 6 says, Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So again, it's a call for us to seek God, because only when we seek God will we be in Christ and receive his righteousness and receive his purity, receive his death as our death, receive his righteousness as our righteousness, receive his resurrection as our resurrection. And so receive his status of being able to dwell in the holy presence of God as our status of being able to dwell in the holy presence of God. That comes by seeking him. That comes by seeking his face. We're not going to be people who are in Christ if we're not seeking Christ, if we're not seeking the face of God in Christ, or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, that we would see the glory of God in the face of Christ. So verse 7 is where David starts to get very messianic here. He says, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. Now he's talking here about Jerusalem. He's talking here about what the Bible often refers to as Mount Zion, this 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 metaphorical idea of the presence of God on the top of the mountain of Jerusalem, the presence of God among his people in the temple. And so he's saying, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Verse 8, and who is this king of glory? The Lord, Yahweh, strong and mighty, Yahweh, mighty in battle. So who's the king of glory that's going to come in to the presence of God? Who's this king of glory that's going to ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place? It's the, it's the Lord himself, mighty in battle and strong and mighty. And then he repeats it again in verse 9 with a little bit of difference. He says, lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. I just want to read it again as he says it, just so you can get what he's saying, because the repetition is kind of the emphasis. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, the Yahweh, the I Am, Strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. This is a psalm that is trying to show us, ultimately, it's the King of glory. It's, it's God himself, Yahweh himself, is going to be this king of glory that will ultimately enter the ancient doors. Now, Jesus symbolized this on Palm Sunday when he entered Jerusalem. And of course, he symbolized it when he carried the cross up the hill and became the sacrifice for us so that we can ascend the hill in him and dwell in God's presence. Jesus is the king of glory. And so Paul refers to Jesus as the Lord of glory in 1 Corinthians 2.8. James, the half-brother of Jesus, refers to Jesus as the Lord of glory in James 2.1. Jesus is the king of glory, the Lord of glory, the Messiah. This is the bigger story that your life is in. He's the one who's come, but ultimately going to come 
and enter the ancient gates. He's going to bring heaven back to earth. The Christ is redeeming and restoring this earth. And so we go back to the very first verse because that's kind of the point. The earth is Yahweh's, the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein are God's. And so God himself is going to ascend the hill. God himself is going to bring back heaven back to earth and redeem and restore this earth to the glory and the blessing and the righteousness of those who are able to dwell with God and to see God. I like the way C.S. Lewis puts it in his book, Mere Christianity. He says this, he says, enemy occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Now, C.S. Lewis wrote this in the time of World War II, and so on his mind is the invasion and the, the troops that paratrooped into France and the Normandy invasion and carried out sabotage. And so the Allied forces had already landed, and now they're just taking over what they already conquered. What It was a, a mop-up, so you might say. He's using that as an illustration of what this world is today. Christ has already come. He's been, in many ways, he says, disguised. Someone humble, someone weak and meek. Even though he wasn't weak by any means, he had the power to do miracles. He appeared to be just a normal man. He was crucified. He died. But then he proved himself to his disciples by rising from the dead. But only those who believe in him see that glory. Only those who believe in him see him as triumphant. The rest see him as just a pitiful character of history who's on the in a sense, the ash heap of all historical figures and is nothing now. But Jesus has come in disguise. He's the king of glory who is taking back this earth in the sense the earth already belongs to God, but he is taking it back to be fully redeemed, restored by his resurrection when he returns. He's the king of glory who's going to enter the ancient gates. So how do we how do, we do what C.S. Lewis says? How do we carry out? How do we, he's calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. We're, we're bringing the kingdom of God by sabotaging the powers of darkness from their hold on this world. How do we sabotage the powers of darkness, the powers of deceit, the powers of falsehood, the, 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 the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realm, Paul talks about in the, in the spiritual realm. How do we sabotage them from holding on to occupied territory that belongs to God, that the king of glory is going to take back. How do we do that as God's people? Well, I think in this psalm, the way we do it is what David says. We try to live with clean hands and a pure heart. We try not to lift our soul up to what is false and to live and to swear deceitfully, to live deceitfully, but rather to live according to righteousness and our salvation, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. That's what we're doing now. We're, we're wanting to seek his face, the king of glory, the Lord, the one who owns all things, owns you, owns me, owns this world, and already has done what it takes to redeem this world by rising from the dead. It's already in play. So lift up your heads and to see this bigger story your life is in, this, 
this bigger story that you are called into and to sabotage the powers of darkness that are occupying this world temporarily. This is the why, in many ways, we resist temptation, we resist sin. It's because we want to live according to the one who ascended to the most holy place with clean hands and a pure heart and not lift up our soul to falsehood. But we also want to live with clean hands and a pure heart and not lift up our soul to falsehood because that's how we sabotage the powers of darkness, the occupying force of God's territory that the king of glory has already come in disguise to take back. He's already died and broken through the other side of death. He's defeated the powers of darkness and he has risen from the dead and he is the king of glory who's going to enter these gates when he brings heaven back to earth. And I want to be inside that story then and I want to live inside that story now. And that's why I want to resist temptation and seek the face of God. I bet that's you too, and that's why you're listening to this podcast. All right, now the power in these kind of psalms is not just reading them and understanding them, but actually praying them. That's what they're meant for. Their prayers meant to be prayed. Their songs meant to be prayed and sung in worship. And so the, I think the power of these psalms comes into them, at least for me, my soul, my heart, when I, when I bring them into my life through prayer. I think that's when it becomes a rich time of seeking the face of God is when we bring these psalms into our prayers and pray them as the Spirit intended us to do. So let me lead us in a time of doing that here as we finish up this episode. Let me lead us in a time of prayer. I'm going to start with the very first word of this psalm in the Hebrew, and that's Yahweh, the I am, he is. Yahweh, you are the purpose of this earth. You are the creator of this world, and and everyone in this world, everything in this world, every living thing in this world, you are the author of life, and you are the source of all existence. And it is all about you. It all points to you and your glory and your power and your majesty and your beauty and your transcendence and your wisdom. And so I look to you because you are the creator of all that there is and you are my creator. You are my maker and I exist because you made me and therefore I belong to you because you created me. Everyone in this earth belongs to you because you created all of them. We don't live that way. We think we live unto ourselves. We think that we are our own God, our own creator. We get to create ourselves. And this is part of the falsehood that we lift our soul up to. This is part of the deceitfulness that grips our lives. But the truth is you created us and so we belong to you and everything in our life belongs to you. Everything in my life belongs to you. My life is yours. I exist because you created me, and I belong to you, and everything in my life belongs to you. It's not meant for me. It's meant for you. I exist for you to bask in your love, to glory in your glory, because you wanted me to share and your beauty. You wanted to share your beauty with me and your majesty with me and your love with me and your glory with me. 
And yes, I, I, I lift up my soul to falsehood. I live as if that's not the purpose of my life, that somehow something else is the purpose of my life. I'm the purpose of my life. And that's lifting up my soul to falsehood and living according to what is deceitful. And it's stupid. It's, it's false. The truth is you own all because you created all and you own me because you created me and I'm unworthy to ascend your hill. I'm unworthy to ascend to your holy place. I'm unworthy to dwell where you dwell. I don't have clean hands. I don't have a pure heart. I've lifted up my soul to what is false. And yet, God, you have done it. You have become human and you have ascended the hill with your clean hands and your pure heart and you have never lifted up your soul to falsehood. Jesus is my righteousness and therefore Jesus is my salvation and Jesus is your blessing in my life and I receive all of your blessings because Jesus has ascended this hill for me. And so I can come before your throne of grace and have my heart sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience and have my body washed with pure water from the blood of Jesus to come before you and to dwell at your holy place, at your holy throne in the righteousness of Jesus and to receive the full blessing of Jesus who has taken my place on the cross and who has given me his resurrection. And so I want to be those who seek you. I want to be of those who seek your face because you are my blessing and you are my salvation and you are my righteousness and you are my creator and you own me. I belong to you and everything in this world belongs to you. Everything else, any other story is a dead end. The only story that has life in the end is the story of seeking your face. Everything else is false. The only story that's real is seeking your face and ascending your hill and living with the Messiah as my blessing and my salvation. So I want to lift up my head to this story. I want to lift up my eyes and see vertically everything in my life in the context of the King of glory who has come but is in disguise but will come without disguise and reveal his full glory and his full beauty and his full power when he comes again and brings heaven back to earth, when the king of glory enters your ancient doors, when the king of glory enters your ancient gates and he shows himself as Yahweh in human glorious form, shows himself as the king of glory, the Lord of hosts, the king of glory forever that qualifies me and allows me to dwell with you when you bring your dwelling back to earth. And this is the story I want to live my life in now. I want to live my life now as one of your people who is sabotaging the occupying armies of darkness by living a life of purity and living a life of righteousness and living a life with clean hands and a true mouth that is not swearing by deceitfulness, not lifting up my soul to what is false, 
but living according to the truth of this story and the truth of your glory and the truth of your love and the truth of your majesty and your splendor and your holiness and your blessing and your goodness. I want to lift up my head to this bigger story and live in it fully more and more today. Enable me to live in this story today, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.